Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Now let's listen to Pastor Dave Crocker. It's great to once again have some uh, friends of Kerry and I's uh, here to, to share with us. I, I do bring the very best of what New Zealand has to offer. Uh, so, so Christoph and Jane are over from Christchurch. They're part of a fantastic church there called Grace Vineyard, which is uh, doing great things in, in the city of Christchurch, which, as we know, needs extra love and, uh, and things post-earthquake. And, uh, and so Christoph and Jane are, are really on a, a journey of discovering what God has for them and are looking at uh, shifting to a city called Wellington, the capital of New Zealand, to plant a church in the, the next year. And we, Kerry and I love you guys, and we're, we're just so thankful that we get to spend, hang out with you guys for the week. It's fantastic. So I want to welcome uh, Christoph in particular to come and share this morning. Let's give him a welcome to church. Thanks, Thanks Ralph. Well, good morning. And uh, we send our love from the um, smaller little brother that is uh, just to the side of the beautiful country of Australia. And you do understand that deep down within every New Zealander or Kiwi, as we, we should really say, is that we really actually want to be Australians, like deep down. No, I'm being serious. I mean, that's why Dave has moved here. Thanks for coming today, mate. Uh, God. I'm being serious. That's why Dave's moved here. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, Sydney has a really uh, special place in my heart, and I'll tell you why, is that my mum and dad met in Sydney. So way back in the 70s, my dad's German, and my mum's a Kiwi, and way back in the 70s, when uh, the Australian government and their foresight ended up um, uh, putting a very generous offer to uh, anyone in Europe that was skilled or traded in any way, shape or form. My dad had spent some time um, volunteering in the German military, because you had to, and then he was like a toolmaker, as a good German is, a toolmaker, just something precise and good. And uh, and then he gets this invitation um, and saw that there is an opportunity for any skilled workers to go on a boat, do a big kind of cruise, but it wasn't like the love boat, I'm telling you now, it probably would have been awful, with a whole lot of uh, Italians and Croatians, and there was all these Germans, and they all came to Sydney and converged here, and he worked here, and he, and he absolutely loved it. Now, he was from Stuttgart, which, uh, I don't know if you understand anything of Germany, but if you could, you know, imagine the traditional Lederhosen, you know what I mean? That was my dad kind of, yeah, I love football, you know what I mean? And he was like <laughs> boosting around. And, uh, and then when he had the opportunity to go to Australia, which he'd only ever, ever heard was kind of like, apparently like Hawaii or something, like everyone was golden, beautiful, good looking, you know what I mean? Like, like all you guys, you know? So he just, and, and, and there was a little thing within him that he, he just wanted to be as further away from his mother as he possibly could, you know? He was, he was the youngest and his mother just adored him so much, but he just said, mum, I'm going to go to Australia, you know? And, uh, and then one time at a party in Manly, he ends up meeting this, this Kiwi girl, and, uh, and then the rest is history. So, Sydney, thank you so much. Because it's almost, this should be called like, you know how there's Paris, is like the city of, of light, and Venice the city of love. This should be kind of the, Sydney should be the city of, um, of real romance or something like that. You know, it's really, really cool. Um, can we pray and just invite God to lead and guide us today? Is that all right? Yeah. Um, Jesus, I thank you that uh, this is a church that, that doesn't just... Um, doesn't just proclaim you on one day, but seeks to live out a life following you in every part of what they do. And, uh, and you're welcome here this morning. You're welcome to, to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us, 
to awaken us to your kingdom, awaken us to your purpose. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and move amongst us. God the Father, would you be honoured today? Would you come and bring love and life to us? We ask in Jesus' name. And the people of God see. Amen. Sweet. Hey, just a little bit of my story because I think it's just important to kind of know, will I give ear time to this guy that's up here preaching for the next week? Well, you know how you kind of go, I don't know where this guy's coming from, you know? Um, obviously, you know, my dad's German, mum's a Kiwi. They, they, uh, they, we grew up in Christchurch and, and this thing, being part of a church and a community, was not a thing that I grew up with. Even though my dad was like a good little Lutheran boy, once he kind of hit Australia, he was like, you know, Christianity, all that faith things are very private things. So he didn't really kind of think that it was anything to kind of, you know, follow Jesus or go to church or anything like that. Um, so all the way through in Christchurch growing up, didn't really know anything about church, Jesus, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, anything like that. I think we may have gone to church like once or twice. And, and my folks went and we went into the kids' church. And I tell you what, I know Kerry is leading the kids' church. You have seriously got to love on your kids' church workers. Because I was the naughty little pagan kid that turned up. You know what I mean? And so you've got this lovely lady sort of talking about Jesus. And I was at the back just going, oh, I want lollies. You know what I mean? And then and this lovely lady was like, you know, talking a wee bit about Jesus. And I was like, ah, oh, lollies. You know? And then they'd say that, uh, and I didn't know in children's church that every answer is supposed to be Jesus. You know what I mean? So they go, who loves everyone? You know? And I said, my mum. You know what I mean? And all the Christian kids are looking at me going, who's this guy? He's weird. You know what I mean? So I didn't know any of that. And I maybe only experienced kind of church kind of things maybe a few times. Now, the only thing I was really good at uh, in high school was, um, well, it wasn't rugby, as you can sort of see from my frame. Because if you played rugby in New Zealand, you have just got to be this massive island or a big, staunch, NRL kind of sized kind of guy. But me, I was like this weedy white boy, you know what I mean? So the only thing that I could do was hopefully that when the guys ran at me that they would trip on my body. That would be the only, and then maybe someone who was real could tackle them, you know. So it was, it was, and I played football. It was the only thing I could do was kind of play football. But one thing I really could do above everything else was, and I know this is going to sound really unusual, but I love to act, like theatre, drama. And, I, and when I say act, I don't mean like a, a home and away actor. I mean a real actor. You know what I mean? Like Sir Lawrence Olivier or Michael Caine or, you know, like someone... Re- and I knew when I was, like, going through high school that I was a little bit creative and I knew I was, go- I was going to be an actor. So I remember having a conversation with my father um, on the edge of my bed as he, he came to me and showed me my report card and all the other subjects I was doing terribly. And then when it came to English and drama, it was like through the roof. And my, my dad goes, Christoph, look, look, look at your grades. And I said... Dad, you don't understand. I want to be an actor, you know? And my, and my dad's like, can't you be a teacher or um, a youth worker or something? You know what I mean? And I go, oh, or an engineer. You know, my dad was still hoping that I'd do something with my hands and I'd actually be really useful, you know? I said, like, Dad, I want to be an actor, you know? So eventually he, he lets me become, uh, like I do training, this is training thing in Christchurch. And it was in my second year there that I ended up having a friend that, that, followed Jesus very passionately. It's quite unusual, because if you think about a troop of, of, of dancers and singers and lighting guys and directors, and, and in amongst all this troop, there was this guy that had become a Christian. 
and he was a very passionate follower of Jesus. So when we would do after parties, um, there would be certain things at the after parties that you do, a lot of alcohol, a lot of recreational drugs, which is really a silly name for kind of dope and those sort of things. You know, but this would just be like the norm. This is what these kind of creative cats do, you know, like this is just part of the scene. And my friend so changed that he would go to these parties, but he would, he would literally live his lifestyle where he would honour Jesus and love people. And this so, you know, shocked me. And, um, and, uh, and it wasn't until one time we were having good fast food, because I was in, like, young, you know, I was, like, in my 20s or whatever. And we would go and have, um, George, there's this thing called Georgie Pie. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like a, it's, it's pretty much, instead of selling burgers, they sold pies. And it must just be a Kiwi thing. Anyway, so one time we're having this conversation in this fast food restaurant, and he leans into me and he says, Christoph, do you know Jesus? And I said, what? What did you just say to me? He goes, do you know Jesus? Now, he didn't actually point. I'm just putting that in there for dramatic effect and stuff. Because he had a pie in his hand. So, so it was more like this. Do you know Jesus? He goes, do you know Jesus? And I was just like, what are you talking about? And I realized my friend had gone all religious. So I made this decision. And then I realized all his like lifestyle things, he didn't swear. He didn't drink. Uh, he was real angry all the time. And he sort of changed. And I realised, I'm going to bring my friend back. Do you know what I mean? Like I thought, I'm going to bring my friend back from whatever thing he's doing with this Jesus. It's, I want my friend back. Have you ever had someone that has really changed because God has been in their life and actually brought transformation? Well, I, well, I didn't like that. I, wanted, I want my old friend who was angry, that did drugs with me, and, and you know, he was just stupid. I wanted my stupid friend back, you know what I mean? Because you can understand, that was just what I was thinking. So I decided to, to totally embarrass him and ridicule him for months about his faith. So we would be at parties and I would, and I would make fun of him in front of everyone. So everyone's having drinks or whatever, and I'd say, hey, Hey, Brendan, isn't he an idiot for being a Christian? And everyone else would go, you know, laugh away and giggle. And he, and he would always look at me with such great love, such great love. Every moment I could, I was saying, don't go to church. Don't do those things. Why don't you come and just, just do what you used to do when we used to drink a lot. And we used to just drink and drink and drink. Just do that again. And he's going, I don't need any. And he'd have, he may have one beer. He'd have one beer. And he said, I don't need any more. I've got God. And I was like, don't say that. It's frustrating me. You know what I mean? So all this time, he started, and I was hassling him. I was ridiculing him. I was making him small for his faith. But he was actually incredibly gracious and loving and kind. And, and all this time, he began praying for me. Now, if you, if you, I know some of you might not actually be kind of Christians or followers of Jesus and that, but prayer is this thing where, where people that are in a relationship with God, they talk to God and then they listen to God. And, and, and it's, it's about fostering and awakening a relationship with God. It's absolutely amazing. Prayer is that simple, yet we seem to complicate it. So what Brendan would do is that every time I was an idiot... He would say, Jesus, Christoph is such an idiot, but you love him. Would you show yourself to him and make him real? That was his prayer. It wasn't like he was really spiritual, like he would say, Oh, Jesus, I cometh to thee unto thee, and I do sayeth that Christoph is an idiot. You know what I mean? He didn't pray like that. He just literally said, Christoph is a dropkick at the moment, but you love him, and would you show yourself to him? And over the months, I remember going to after parties, and everyone else was getting wasted, and I was going, something within me is going, I just don't want to get wasted. So I was sitting there, and, and, and I remember seeing all these people and partying and crazy things was happening. And I was sitting there going, what on earth is this all about? 
I would go home at night, lie in my bed, and I thought, I'm going to be an actor. That's the only thing I want to do. I want to be an actor. I want to be... I knew I wasn't, like, good-looking, like Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? I know that surprises most of you here. I knew I didn't have... But I knew if I was a real good actor, then I could make up for the abs. At the moment, I only just have an ab. You know what I mean? So I thought, yeah... But I was lying there and I realised all the people that were incredibly creative and beautiful and they were all just like, they just depression, all these problems. And, all my, and, all, and, and I really wanted to find someone and fall in love. And, and I looked at my mates and they would just go from girl to girl to girl. And I'm going, man, relationships don't seem to fulfil people. Acting and being famous and being creative doesn't fulfil. And I was just going, what on earth is this thing about? So I, I was, like God was awakening me to how poor I really was. See, there is a richness in knowing Jesus and pursuing Jesus that brings life to people. And in the absence of that, I thought I was living, but I was really existing before Jesus. So I'll say that again. Before Jesus, you're actually just existing. There is great potential, great beauty that you could do, but it's not until we actually know and follow and submit and yield ourselves to Jesus that suddenly we come to life. But I was in this in-between. I was going... I. I, 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 it, what is this thing all about? Because getting money and all the success, it just doesn't work. Now, things really changed with my friend, Brendan. He invited me to a camp, but he didn't tell me it was like a Christian camp, okay? So Christians are oh, just so sneaky, you know what I mean? So what he, and this is how the conversation went. I'll let you in on it. So he rings me up and says, hey, man, do you want to go on a camp? And I said, I love, yeah, what, what sort of camp is this? And he goes, oh, it's just a camp. I said, so then I asked, as you do, are there going to be girls at this camp? He goes, oh, yeah, man, there's going to be heaps of babes at this camp. I said, really? He goes, man, there's going to be babes. For... And I said, man, I'm going to the... So, so you're telling me we just go to this camp and there's, there's just babes there. Oh, yeah, there's heaps of babes at this camp. So what do you do? You do oh, we just hang out and there's babes. <laughs> and I went, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in. So I turned up at this camp and... Um, and I drove in, and, and, and it was just, it just all just, you know, it was just like, oh, it's just like a camp, this is great. I, I get out of my car, come around with Brendan, and then all these girls are there. And I'm just going, yeah, okay, yeah, it's time to put the swag on, you know what I mean? And as I'm wandering over, I realize that these girls are like 13 and 14-year-olds. And there's a lot of them. Now, this time, I'm like 20. And I'm realizing something's not quite right here. I'm not here, I'm not, I'm not here to do preschool, you know. <laughs> and, and, and what was worse is they were just so happy like happy girls now when you're not happy and someone's happy it's just like get away from me and so these are, and they come up and they're these big books and I was thinking why have they got textbooks in a camp in the middle of the day and they'll fluff me and they're, and they're hello they come up to hello and I'm like oh get out of my face you know hi are you here for the camp and I said oh, apparently I am and I'm turning to Brendan and I'm going where are the babes you know what I mean and they go, oh, it's so good, we're so blessed to have you. And they go wandering off going, eee. And I'm thinking, no one uses the word blessed. What, what language is this? Where have you brought me, Brendan? And they gather me in and they say, oh, well, welcome to the camp. We're going to have a meeting now. And I said, a meeting? Like when you meet the principal, meeting? Oh, no, no, it's a meeting. I went, Okay. I don't know what a meeting was. <laughs> so, so everyone comes in and everyone just seems to be all happy and really into it. But I wasn't really happy or into it. So I thought, in case things get a little funky, I'm going to sit at the back. So I sat at the back and then this band gets up. 
And you, by the way, the worship team was sweet this morning. But the guys that we had up, they got up and I was like, oh man, we're, we're going to do like a concert or something. Like this is what I was thinking. I'm thinking this is going to be some cool music. And they get up and every song they sing is about Jesus. And I didn't know any of them. So they're singing like, jing, 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 Jesus, jing, jing, And I'm just going, where's, where's like, where's, where's the NXS? You know, where's the U2? I'm just waiting for like some real music. And like, jing, 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 Jesus. And I'm going, what is going on here? And then everyone is into it. Like the people are, they're like, they're singing along with it. And I didn't, I don't know any of the words. My little pagan heart's going, you know what I mean? And I'm, so I'm. So I'm sitting at the back, and then I assume the position. Have you seen the, assume the, I would have like this. Now this, I don't know if this, 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 I'll show you. This says to anyone, just don't talk to me, don't move me, don't go near me, because I might backhand you. You know what I mean? It was like that. Everyone's all happy, and eventually the music finishes, the worship finishes, and then this guy gets up and goes, and now it's time for our speaker. And I thought, it's great. And I looked, and I said, we've already got some speakers. And I was thinking, what's going to happen next? And this guy gets up and goes, hi guys, I'm going to talk to you today about Jesus. And I was going, oh my goodness, get me out of here. And he starts sharing about the life of Jesus. And I was like, oh man, this is crazy. Finishes up and I was going, I'm not going to get into this. And then we kind of finish, we finish up and I'm going, no, I don't want any part of this. We end up leaving going do some more camp stuff, come back, and then there was another meeting, and they did this again and again and again. And before, but I just thought it was like torture. Like, they're just bringing me into this meeting to kind of tell me, like, more about Jesus. I was like, oh, my goodness. But there was this one time around the middle of the camp where the guy gets up again, and he starts talking about the condition of, of our lives. He, he talks about the brokenness of people that are apart from God. And for the first time, I heard... And saw and understood about Jesus. Like it was like, I, I, I mean, I, I had listened, at, well, I didn't hadn't listened really all through this camp, but for the first time I was hearing about Jesus and suddenly this thought comes into my mind instead of like, you know, go away, you don't want to hear this. Suddenly I was going, here's the thought, you need him. And I was like, no, I, I couldn't believe it. It was just something was stirring within me. Now, The guy at the front, I don't even know his name. I can't even remember his name. He ends up saying, if you want to know Jesus and follow him and be part of his kingdom, you need to turn away from the life and the things that you used to do, the things that are sin, the things that are broken, and you need to to, to do this thing where you, it's called repent. He kind of told me this this word, because I'm kind of going, well, what what does that mean? He goes, it means like you just don't want to do the things you used to do out of brokenness anymore, because what you've found now in Jesus brings life and brings hope and will change you. And brings freedom. I was sitting at the back, and then in my in my soul, I knew that I needed this Jesus. So he then says, "If you want to know Jesus, come up the front." I was like, and I was the only guy that got up. Everyone else was on the Jesus page. Everyone else was all happy and just Christian. I was not. I was the pagan guy, angry. I get up, and but I know that the the well Jesus. If this is so true, what is shared in the scriptures and what, what my friend Brendan has been living in such a way of great love and great grace, if, if this is true, then I desire him above anything else. So he, he this guy's surprised because I was like the naughty, naughty guy. 
you know. And I wasn't even really, really naughty, but I was naughty, naughty. He, he's like, he's like, crikey, you know what I mean? I come wandering up, and he sees me, and he goes, kneel. And I went, right, you know what I mean? So I kneel down. He says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And I said, how do you pray? You know, this is what's going on in my head. How do you pray? He says, it's just like having a conversation with God. And in my head I'm going, but God doesn't listen to me because God's not real. He puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, God, would you show yourself to this man? And suddenly I experience love and life. I actually experience God. See, God is actually inviting us to experience him. The reason why we gather on Sundays and why we gather and, and, and meet people in, in our world is that God invites us to experience his grace and his goodness and then he uses us in some way, shape or form to say, hey, I'm going to use you even despite you're broken and you're a bit weird sometimes and you're a bit temperamental. I'm going to use you to love on others. And here I was and suddenly God was real. And I haven't looked back since. Some of you all here tonight, this day, Christ is inviting you to come and know him. Christ is inviting you to put aside the, the games and, and the fear and to come and, and find relationship with him. And the songs that we have sung, the things that we, we sing around salvation, like when Jesus comes and, 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 and Jesus comes and meets us, it's far greater than just saving us from, from hell or our sin. There's this invitation to God bringing full life to us. And then added to that, Jesus actually takes great pleasure in using people that aren't really onto it. And then say, you want to know what the church looks like? It looks like a bunch of people that, that are very honest about their mistakes and their brokenness, but find great love and the grace of Christ to live lives that are incredibly different. And I'm part of a tradition, just like this church, and following Jesus with all our lives, with inviting God's Spirit to help us, to lead us and guide us, and to see the kingdom of God come and his will be done. Because I know the reason why you're here this morning is not just because you're going through the rhythms and the rituals. By the way, having a rhythm to your life is actually really, really good. Like you get up, you have breakfast, or some of you get up and you have a coffee. You, you do certain things at certain times. And this is a rhythm that followers of Jesus find where we gather together and we realize that church isn't just about me. And we realize that church is actually about a whole bunch of people that are really, really different from us. See, I'd be worried if I look across here and I go, oh, everyone's the same. Everyone's the same, um, you know, blue collar. We all live here. We all sound like this. There's this invitation. When you know that the kingdom of God has come amongst the people, it actually is meant to look so diverse and so different that if someone would come in who does not know about Jesus or the kingdom, they would come in and I would look in here. They would see this community here and they go, this thing shouldn't work. Look at you. You, 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 you live on the rich side of town and, and, you, and you're like a lawyer and, and you're retired and, and you shouldn't talk to these young people and there's families here and, 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 you, and you're part uh, Maori and you're Indian and you shouldn't all get on together. You, you're like skateboarders and you've got tattoos. You shouldn't be together but there's this invitation that Jesus gives that the kingdom will look incredibly diverse. Incredibly diverse. So what I would love to do today is to open the scriptures because you like I know some of you like love scripture and you're like I don't like this preacher that much at the moment because he has not opened the Word of God yet, and he shall be smitten during morning tea time. I assure you. But I, I 
I would love to just go and explore the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles with you, that's great. It's in the New Testament. If you're with somebody, uh, maybe you didn't bring your Bible or you've got your iPad or something like that, go snuggle up next to somebody. This is your chance now to, to have a chance to kind of get, say day to somebody and snuggle up. And we'll read... All right, Luke chapter 4 is really, really um, juicy. It's really deep. There's a lot of things that happen within the different chapters. The first part of Luke 4 is that Jesus, who is the Son of God, ends up battling it out with Satan. And, there's this, and Luke records this conversation he has with Satan. And, uh, and I know you're kind of going, oh man, we're, that, that sounds a little bit full on. But, but followers of Jesus or Christians are very aware that in our world that we live, that there is both what is good and there is evil. And here's this picture that, that Luke gives us that's saying that Jesus actually confronts evil face on. And evil seeks to tempt him and to subvert what, what Jesus' purposes are. And every time Jesus quotes Scripture, the Bible, and every time, and Jesus lives in such a way that he now knows what the Father's plan is. Okay. We're going to pick it up now where Jesus is now going to have a conversation with a bunch of people that are going to be so offended at what Jesus says that they want to kill him. Now, that's not a new thing because sometimes people that would read the Bible way back 2,000 years ago or read the Torah, there would be certain ways that they would read it that might be like, oh, this sounds very political the way that you're reading it. You're you're really insinuating this. And so Jesus is reading the scriptures in a certain way, but he's about to show us and demonstrate to us what the kingdom of God is like. Okay, So I'm going to read read from uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the entire region, and he taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released and that the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favour has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes of the synagogue looked intently, and then he began to speak. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. All right, let's just jump back and, and, and just take this passage again. In the synagogue, it was almost like a, a, a church environment where they would take passages of, of the Torah, that's the first five books of the Bible, or other minor or major prophets, and, and different teachers would say, let me tell you how to take and read this passage in Isaiah. Let me tell you how, as a rabbi, I'm, going to, I'm interpreting, interpreting um, Jeremiah. This would be the environment, and there would be a conversation around it. It would be read, and there would be conversation without it. Jesus chooses the most politically charged of all the, minor, the major prophets as Isaiah. And everyone that's listening to Jesus as he's reading this, they're thinking, oh, Jesus is reading this about us being Israel. And Israel, at that moment, 2,000 years ago, they're under the oppressions of the Romans. And so you've got these, these Jews that want to worship God and Yahweh, and then you've got the Roman oppressors who have come in with the sword and said, 
you can worship God in certain ways, but, but we're really, we're, we're, our kingdom is greater. Our, our rule and reign is far greater here. And they're, and they're oppressing them. They're oppressing them in all the ways. And here you've got these, these, these people that are worshipping God and they're reading Isaiah and this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's, he's anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He sent me to pro- proclaim that the captives will be released. They would be hearing that and they'd be going, we are the captives. Like the Romans have got us under the pump. And they're looking at Jesus and Jesus is saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and, and I'm, I've come to set the captives free. And these Jews that are sitting there listening to, to Jesus, um, interpreting Isaiah, they're going, Jesus has come to set Israel free. Jesus has come to bring his kingdom and his rule and his reign and he's going to smash the, the pagan Romans, the dirty pagan Romans, the dogs that come and, and he's going to smash them and deal to them because this is what the kingdom is. It's a kingdom where there is a sword and it's going to deal to the enemies. And Jesus ends up doing that, but he's reading it. Jesus is reading it in a very, very different way. In fact, most of the time as you see the disciples in the, in the Gospels, the four Gospels, they are, they are struggling with the interpretation that Jesus is bringing of a kingdom. Every time they think, oh, the kingdom's about, about exerting our will and our power, and it's about being on top. Every time the, the disciples think like that, Jesus flips it around and says, you want to be the greatest, you serve people. And we would say, oh, the kingdom is, you can see when people are rich financially that they're incredibly blessed and God must be on their lives. And, and Jesus says, well, actually in the kingdom, it's the poor that are blessed. It is those that are poor in spirit. Well, those that realize they, they have great need, the kingdom is right then and there for them. Jesus is talking about a kingdom that is subverted. And it's also a kingdom of power where there is deliverance and healing and salvation. Like if you want to know what good news is, it's this. And this text that Jesus talks about, this reality that we are a part of, that the kingdom of God that we know of is one where there is good news to the poor. It is a kingdom that sees the captives released, the blind can free, and the Lord's favour comes. This is something that we are to live and embody with our lives. This is the kind of king in the kingdom. Jesus is saying, you want to know what my kingdom is about? This is what it's about. It's about the poor. It's about seeing deliverance happen. It's about freedom. It's about hope. It's about my life. So in verse 20, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, sat down. All the eyes of the synagogue looked on him attentively. And then he began to speak. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled to this very day. Verse 22, everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by his gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Is this Joseph's son? Joseph is um, his, his, his earthly father. Then he said, you will undoubtedly, devote, uh, undoubtedly quote this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Here Jesus is then going, you're going to have, you're going, because you know me and you've seen me grow up, you're about to struggle with knowing who I really am and what my agenda is. And then he goes on, now Jesus goes on in this next bit to tell two stories. And these two stories offend the people that he's with and almost get him killed. Let me read them to you. Certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the heavens were closed for three and a half years, a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. 
he was sent to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath, in the land of Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elijah, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. Now, I don't know if you kind of know some of the Old Testament when you kind of read that bit. It was incredibly offensive what Jesus has just now said. For he uses two examples of God doing miracles, but not showing the miracles to the people of Israel. But to people that did not know God, they were considered the outsiders, the pagans, the people on the people that you'd think God isn't really at work in them because we really know God because we are the people of Israel. Jesus is turning around and he's sort of saying, this is what my kingdom is for. My kingdom is about the people on the outside as well. My kingdom is not just for you that know me. My kingdom's on on the people on the outer, on the people that don't know me, on the people that you would say, these are pagans, these are gang members, uh, these are prostitutes, these are people in adulterous relationships, these are people that are far, far on the outside of our, these are the, the kind of the, the Muslims, they're, they're the kind, those kind of people on the outside. And, and Jesus is saying, you know what, God showed us a miraculous sign to two people that did not know him and this is what my kingdom is like. This is how my kingdom is so upside down, so incredibly radical, and it's open to absolutely everybody and anyone. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of a hill which the town was built, and they intended to push him off the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. So infuriated that Jesus was doing this thing, and it's not about them. This movement... This, this kingdom that he is about to, to inaugurate and, and initiate is now far bigger than just one people group. I'll put it in a different way for us this morning. Do you know the reason why you exist as a church? We exist for the people that aren't in these seats right now. We exist to come to the lost and the broken to say there is a kingdom that invites you and welcomes you. We exist for the absolute worst sinners and the ratbags and the scoundrels that are out there that we would say we too have once lived lives like you but we want to show you a better way, a different way. I, um, I once had a... Um, an opportunity when I was walking through town and I felt God um, uh, speak to me and lead me and guide me in different places. Can I say sometimes I hear God really, really clearly and other times I just do my life as if I'm trying to live my life in a way of following Jesus with great love but, um, you know, and I just trust that God is going to lead, him, lead me and guide me. The will of God has been taken that we, we usually see the will of God, we've made it like a tightrope, and so we kind of get to certain points, and then it's like, oh, do I have KFC, Jesus, or do I have McDonald's today? You know what I mean? And then Jesus doesn't answer, and we go, oh, I just hope I'm doing right. You know, I, the will of God is not just a tightrope, it's actually a playground that we can just go. So I was, I was in town one time in Christchurch, which isn't re- a real city, so I'm going to call it a town, you know what I mean, because you know it's not a real city. And, uh, and, and I was going up with a friend, and my friend of mine turns to me, this is later on a Friday night, and he said, we're about to go to a bar. Would you like a drink? Now, I, I've been following Jesus now for a couple of years, and I was going, well, I'll, I'll come with you, I might not drink. And he leans in me and he goes, oh, it's a gay bar. And he knew I was a follower of Jesus. 
He wanted, he wanted to see me. He, this is what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to say, I'm not going into that dirty bar. I'm not going into that dirty bar. It's, it's filthy and disgusting. This is what he wanted me to say. He wanted me to say that to reinforce something. I felt the Lord say, I want you to go. So I was like, going, okay. Sure. He's surprised, so he takes me up there, and, and, and I walked in there, and I, and, and I saw these guys dancing, and there was music, and, and, and in, my, in, my, in my gut, I was going, oh, this is, there's something within me that was like anger, like, oh, man, this is just, it just doesn't, it's not right, it's not like right, and suddenly the Holy Spirit just meets me, and he, instead of seeing men as gay men, I saw them as, 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 as people loved by God just trying to find love. So I sat down, and you know, this guy, this guy, um, the guy who kind of took me up there, who tried to sort of see if I was going to be a really naughty Christian, and, um, and I sat there and had, started having conversations with some guys, and eventually this one other guy comes over that I knew, who was really lost, really broken at the time, and he leans into me and he goes, I see you're wearing a jacket, what's on your jacket? He was just trying to be silly, and on my jacket... On my jacket, I had like a couple of badges, and one of them was like a little badge with a teddy bear on it. And I know, just I know this sounds like this is going to be the new level of evangelism in Sydney and Penrith, seriously. And on the little teddy bear, it said, Jesus loves you. So I have all these other badges on my leather jacket, and this is one little, <laughs> little bag, badge saying, Jesus loves you. Uh, so of all the, all the, all the nightclub, this guy, this guy comes up to me, he goes, how's it going? And he goes, oh, I've noticed your badge. He looks at my badge, holds it up, and he goes, ah, and he screams, and he twists my, my jacket around like this, and he starts crying, and he runs off. Now, here's the thing, is that when you do life, crazy things happen. But as followers of Jesus, we are always looking for where God is working. We're always looking for the activity of God. So when I went to this bar, I'm not just going to go, I'm going to be the super Christian that will tell these naughty gay men that they need to come to the Lord. All I was doing was going, I'm just going to look to see where you're working, Jesus, and I will join in on that. And God, if you've invited me, if you've invited me here, you'll speak to me. And so suddenly this thing comes where this guy reacts to Jesus loves me, and he weeps and he runs away. And then it's a no-brainer. It's like, will you go where the Father's leading you? You can just see this is the activity of God. So I kind of excused myself, and I went out, and this guy's on the steps crying. And I sat down next to him. He says, why did, you, why, did you have that, why did you have that badge? Why, do you have that, why did you bring that here? I says, this is part of me. I, what's going on in your life? And suddenly he just opens his life to me. His searching, his longing. He doesn't even know why he's in the bar there tonight meeting, meeting these other men. He doesn't know. But, but suddenly I'm there and I have this opportunity to tell him of a loving God that goes to gay bars. And he's okay with the, the broken and the people that are on the outside and the people that everyone goes, that, that's not quite right. Jesus is actually really okay with those people because he invites them into his kingdom because once again, his kingdom isn't about who's in and who's out. His kingdom is for the poor and for those that are on the outside and those people that aren't good enough and those people that do silly things and wrong things and things that are perverted. His kingdom is for them, but there, there is a change and a transformation that needs to happen. There's a sense of God coming and bringing repentance but, but Jesus meets people where they're at and he had me sitting there on, on, on these steps and I could just have this moment and so suddenly that gay bar changed and it was like a holy place 
It was like God was there. I can't, I can't describe it. it. It was different from when I gather and be involved in church. There was a moment where right in the middle of it, all this thing where you think, oh, it shouldn't be like this. The kingdom came. There was a sense of, of, of God of anoints to the poor. The captives will be released. The blind will be set free. And there's a sense of God's favor has come. This is the kingdom that we are involved in. A kingdom of great power. A kingdom of great love. A kingdom that is absolutely upside down. It's a kingdom that we can see God move. How much time have we got, Dave? Because there's nothing worse when a visiting speaker dude goes over time, eh? It's nothing worse, you know what I mean? It's like no friendly conversation with you afterwards. It's like, you talk for three hours, you idiot. <laughs> Five? All right. No, it really is. I will do five. I will do five. I will do five. All right. John, John chapter five. Jesus has a, a beautiful conversation um, with a guy who um, who had a withered hand, and then Jesus heals it on what's called the Sabbath. And this becomes this incredibly religious issue around who follows the Sabbath or not. And Jesus' kingdom is is a lot different than what just the rules are. And what Jesus then demonstrates, he, he, the kingdom comes in seeing a withered hand suddenly become straight. The religious leaders miss the purpose of a miracle because they only get caught up on the law when everyone else sees that this is what God's kingdom is like, is a kingdom that is heal, about healing. This kingdom about deliverance. A kingdom is about salvation. Yeah. And I would love to invite you to look often in how you live your lives to say, God... Just like in John 5, would, I just want to do what the Father is doing. That's what, those, those were Jesus' words in John chapter 5. I, I do nothing on my own. I just see where the Father is working, and I join in that. I'm, there, are, there are moments, little moments, where God is inviting you all the time to see what he's doing and get involved. And you don't have to be the caliber of Pastor Dave with certain gifts and certain anointing. There's this invitation where God actually really loves delighting and using people that don't really rate themselves, but they rate God and they will follow God with great love and great obedience. And this is so accessible to us. I'm not talking about, let's, I, 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 let's, just, let's just beat you up because you're not like super Christians. No, it's really accessible just going, I may just be like, I may just be like an office worker, but everywhere you go, there is the potential that God is going to be showing you what he is doing in this world, and, he, and you are going to have eyes and ears to see it, and you can just get involved. And it's so beautiful, and you, and you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. And that's, that's just, and that's the cool thing. So when we talk about, oh, the Holy Spirit coming, the Holy Spirit comes not just to comfort us alone, but the Holy Spirit comes to actually empower us to live the life he's called us to. One time uh, I was um, here, uh, going with a, a pastor of ours, um, and we, we decided to do something a little bit risky because we, you know, pastors, pastors are weird people, you know what I mean? And we're just like, and we just thought we're going to wander the streets and just see who God speaks to us about, and we're going to talk, talk to them. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's just I, something in my gut just goes, oh, I don't like this. You know, I'd rather know somebody, and we're having a coffee, you know, Sydney's got a good coffee. Maybe it does, doesn't it? You know, and where you could just and just you'd be able to like, encourage somebody. But as, as I was wandering along, 
my, my, my other pastor, who, and this really freaks me out, he was just like, oh, I don't know who to talk to. So he goes, oh, I feel God, maybe God's leading me to that Asian lady. So he wanders over this Asian lady. It's so funny. And he goes, um, um, and I could see him just going, um, um, uh, and he's trying to talk to this Asian lady, and she goes, me not speak English, you know what I mean? And, and, he, and he was just like so bummed by it, you know, he wandered off, and he goes, oh, I don't know about that, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, it's okay, Tony, you know, it's cool. Because this is the thing with God, is that God actually loves people giving it a go, rather than running away in fear. And as I was going past um, uh, a restaurant, there was this lady cleaning, the, um, cleaning a bench, and I felt God say, I want you to go talk to her. And I was like, oh, no. Now, you would think that I would go, oh, yes, Jesus, I will do that. But I just, I was, I was actually afraid. So I, I went, no, no. So I wandered a wee bit on, wandered a wee bit on. She finished off, she went in there. And then as Tony and I walked, Tony kind of ends, you know, if we finished at a corner because we kind of didn't know what to do anymore. And he goes, oh, well. I don't know who God's got me to speak to anymore. I, I, you know, and he was going, oh, I've just kind of failed at this. You know what I mean? I'm just being real honest. Pastors have really days where you just go, well, you just take risks and it doesn't work. And I said to Tony, I meant, I meant to go back and I meant to talk to this lady. So he goes, oh, that's awesome. I'll pray for you. So he ends up sitting out in front of the shop and I wander in and now it, the stakes have raised. Now it's not just like, it would have been easier if I'd actually talked to her out in the shop, but she's now inside and now she's cleaning inside. And they, So I wander in and I look, I look for this lady and, um, and, and, there, and there she was. And, and like, so this other girl goes, hello, how can I help you? Do you want to have a table? And I went, no, I don't want a table. I want to talk to her. And she went, oh, you want to talk to her, do you? And I went, no, 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 not like that. You know what I mean? I was trying to explain to her, I, I, I just need to talk to her. What's her name? Her, oh, her name's Janelle. And I went, all right. So I kind of went, okay, God, if you, you've got me on this assignment, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. So I wandered over and I said, Janelle. And she just turned around and goes, who are you? And I said, and then, like, you know how you get to a certain point, you're going, you're just going to sound stupid. Like, you know what I mean? So I thought, well, what do I do? I'm Janelle, I'm a pastor. You know what I mean? And I thought, oh, no, Christchurch, no one, you know, like, this is going to sound stupid. So I went, Janelle, today we have just set aside time, but we are listening to what God is saying to people. And, and I saw you, and I sensed God wanting to say this to you. And I had this picture for her, this, this kind of this picture of 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 God awakening her to the reality of Jesus and that she needed to come and know that. Now, Janelle's a good Irish girl because in the, in the Christchurch rebuild, we've got a whole lot of um, Filipinos and Irishmen coming over, you know, and Irish girls, everyone's coming over. And she looks at me, her eyes like suddenly wide. She looks, the other girls now who are thinking I'm now asking her for her phone number or something, all these girls are pretending to be kind of cleaning, but they're, but they're like this. You know what I mean? And Janelle goes, oh, oh, oh. and I said, Look, God, God loves you, and he sees you, and he's calling you to himself. And she goes, and then she goes, who are you? You know? And I said, I'm Christoph. <laughs> I'm a pastor. And she goes, I don't know what that is. But I don't know what to do with that now. And then, and then we're just standing there. What do you do then? It was like an awkward Christian moment. But I just, I think that's all I was meant to do. So I wandered on out. And, I, and just as I was turning out, all the girls that were pretending cleaning, they come running over to Neil and going, what did he talk about? But I could imagine what their conversation was. Here's this guy comes in, he tells me that God knows me and God loves me and God is pursuing me and God is wanting me to know him. You can do that stuff. And it's crazy. 
And it's risky and sometimes you're going to do it and it's going to be like, and you're going to look like an idiot or a fool. But I'd rather be a fool for Christ than a fool for something else. And when we come and we gather and we are the church, we actually invite the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and to help us live lives like this where we are all about the kingdom. We are all about seeing the people that are on the outside come to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. May this burn in your hearts, Penrith Church of Christ. Like may this burn in your hearts a love for God, a love for His Spirit, a love for people. May it burn in your hearts to, to, to live lives where, where you're very ordinary, but, but, but you, you follow a supernatural God. May your hearts burn to follow Him, to see His kingdom come and His will be done. May your hearts burn for something bigger than just this. May your hearts burn. May your hearts burn. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org.